Matthew chapter 2, Romans chapter 12. Let's pray. Father, once again, so thankful that we can um, be here and we can worship in this country, that you hear us. Lord, that um, we can sing. that we can honor you, that we can give you glory. And I pray tonight, as we've seen you move every night, that your spirit would just be so evident in this room. I'm asking that you touch people's hearts and lives. And I'm praying that you would be glorified tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Someone asked me today, why do you always pray and stare at us? Why do you close your eyes? Show me in the Bible where it says, fold your hand, close your eyes, and bow your head. Most of the prayers in the Bible, and he lifted up his eyes to heaven, and he raised his hands, and Paul tells the church to lift up holy hands when we pray. So there should be probably the, uh, a tradition in the church where I say, let's pray, and everyone goes like this. Let's practice that, okay? Let's pray. See, that would be biblical prayer, okay? Looking up into heaven, and <laughs> let's actually practice. Okay, here we go. Ready? Let's pray. Father, we glorify your name, and we thank you that you're God. In Jesus' name, Amen. Did that feel awkward? All right, let's do it again. Let's do it again. Here we go. Ready? Let's pray. Jesus, we honor your presence tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's do it one more time. Okay, let's pray. Spirit of the living God, would you fill us tonight? In Jesus' name. We have learned that we are more than conquerors. Well, that would, what'd you say? Oh, <laughs> very good. I like, you know, we're finally interacting. I think it's great. Let's just do it one more time. Ready? Number one. Okay, you guys got it. <laughs> I can't wait. I cannot wait till some girl is gone on a date with some guy. And all of a sudden, he goes, <gasps> and the movie theater, <gasps> and she goes, danger! <laughs> I can see it now. In the movie theater, everybody will freak. I told you guys I'm from the Bahamas, and Bahamians are not like Americans. You all, you sit there and you watch movies like this. 
Bahamians. They stand up by the boy, you better get up and slap him. Girl, where are you going? Don't open that door. I mean, you should hear them. They're hysterical. They get up. They're interacting. Some of them will walk up to the movie theater and say, I don't even like you. And they just walk away. Classic. You go to the movies in the Bahamas not to watch the movie, but to watch Bahamians. We are a weird group of people. We're more than conquerors, which has the indication we're at war. And I have, over the course of the last few days, expressed to you war stories, really. Stories of my life that um, we, as a family, walked through. But the truth is, the only reason I've used those stories is to indicate to you that you're at war. It's a spiritual war. It's a war between the flesh and the spirit. And if you want to win at war, you want to win at war, you want to get wise counsel. You want to learn from wise people how to win. And so, we're going to learn some You can write this down, wise ways from some wise men. Wise ways from some wise men. Listen again, wise ways from some wise men. Now, I know Matthew chapter 2, you're going, wait, this is not Christmas. We should not be talking about the three wise men. You know the song, we three kings of Okay, what does that even mean? Do any of you know? Bearing gifts, we've traveled. Field and fountain. Okay, time out. Does anyone know what a moor is? Okay, and you sing it, okay? But can I please, I'm I'm going to rock your faith. Nowhere in the Bible does it say there were three kings. Nowhere. My son and I have been arguing this for years. And his uncle got involved in the argument. And he brought his uncle in and he said, Dad, even Uncle Bill doesn't think, believes that there were three kings. And I said, well, prove it to me, Uncle Bill. And he looked in the Bible and he said, well, it says that they gave three gifts. That's three gifts. It doesn't mean there were three kings. There could have been one king. Well, there were more than one. Could have been two. It could have been three. Could have been a hundred. We don't know. But we sing that song, we three kings, and because of a hymn, we believe there were three kings. Until one day, my son got the comic strip Bible. Have you ever seen the comic strip Bible? Yes. Yes. So we got the comic strip Bible, and I go home, and he goes, Dad, um, can you please come to my room? We need to talk. So I went into the room, and he goes, you know the argument that we have been having, um, how many kings there are in the Bible? And I said, yes. And he said, as long as I could prove it to you in the Bible, you said you would believe it. Isn't that true, Dad? Isn't that true? So I said, yes. So he opened up his Bible. He went to Matthew chapter 2 in the comic strip Bible. And he said, look at the kings, Dad. One, two, three. There are three kings on this picture. There are three kings represented. From the comic strip Bible time in, you said the Bible. You didn't say which one, and I just proved it. Won my case, put the Bible down, and walked out of the room, leaving me there. Three kings. You see, the Bible calls them wise. You see, they called them wise men because these were men that had come all the way from Persia. They were religious, political leaders from an ancient religion. 
And they saw something that made them move. But you see, I believe the Holy Spirit, he calls them wise for another reason. And I believe that these wise men are going to give us some wise ways so that we can be more than conquerors in the war that we're in. I want you to write them down. The first one is this. Matthew chapter 2, verse 2. The wisest thing you can do, if you want to win this war, the wisest thing you can do is worship Jesus. Matthew chapter 1, 2, look at verse 1. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we've seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Worship him. Why would these guys travel all the way from Persia and come all the way across the desert, which would take at least six months, probably a year, and as wise men, probably even maybe two years to travel this entire distance? Why would they travel this distance to worship this baby? Well, something phenomenal happened. You see... In the New King James Version, the Bible says this in verse 2, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star. But the English Standard Version, it basically gives us a different rendition, and I believe a more accurate, when we saw his star rise. Now, can I tell you something? Stars don't rise. They, They don't rise. This was a supernatural star. This was a star that came out of nowhere. You see, stars are fixed. And I know that because I I like to sail. And when you sail at night, you're able to use the stars to navigate your way to where you want to go. They are fixed. They don't rise. They don't move. This star was absolutely supernatural. Well, how did these guys even know about this star in the first place? It goes back hundreds of years to the prophet Daniel. You see, Daniel lived in Persia many hundreds of years before. And he told the wise men of a coming Messiah that was predicted and prophesied all the way back to the book of Numbers in chapter 24 that a star would rise. Supernatural star. And they saw this star and as they were looking and they were looking at this particular star, this new star that came out of nowhere, they, we've got to follow this star. This is what the prophet Daniel was talking about. And so they started this long trek along the desert to get to this particular supernatural star. Don't think it's strange. You remember God. Children of Israel, they left Egypt And God guided them supernaturally with a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Now, it's extremely practical if you know anything about the desert. I have been in the Sahara, and I have walked all over the Sahara. It's just just an ocean of sand, oceans of sand. And in the day, it is so hot... You do anything to cover yourself. No wonder God would lead them with a a cloud by day because wherever that cloud was, you would go with it because you wanted to stay in the shade. But at night, when the sun goes down in the Sahara, let me explain. It gets so cold, you can freeze. 
No wonder God would lead them with a pillar of fire by night to keep them warm, a natural heating source for all of the children of Israel, a supernatural cloud, a supernatural pillar of fire, a supernatural star, because this star, this star meant more than just a supernatural solar being. This star, it represented Jesus because he's the star of the morning. And the star of the morning would rise from the grave supernaturally after he was killed and murdered on the cross. Three days later, Jesus Christ would rise from the grave and these three or four or six or one or excuse me or two wise men would follow this star and they would worship because. Well, why do we worship? Why do I lift my hands Why do I sing? Why do I do this? Why do I move? Why am I so excited to worship Jesus? Let me explain for what he's done. You see, Jesus Christ rose from the dead. He gave us victory. And these wise men are letting us know that if you want to be more than a conqueror, your life should be one of worship. Because when Jesus died on the cross and when he rose from the grave, we sang the song, O death, where is your sin? We will no longer be separated from God. And all we have to do is believe On his son, Jesus Christ. Victory. Worship is victory. And so when you're in that place where you're like, what's going on in my world? Worship. It's victory. Let me explain. I went back to Liberia about seven years ago for a pastor's conference. Pray for me. After you hear this story, I'm going back next week. And when we, uh, I explained to you the situation that happened and the little ambush that happened, well, we were going to continue with our pastor's conference one way or the other. And so while we were sitting and we, all the pastors had gathered and they'd all come, about 200 pastors, and we were meeting in this particular building, we were about to begin and we were about to start with worship, much like this. Now, worship is much different in Africa. It's a drum. It's a guitar. It's another drum. And let me tell you something. You guys, Americans, you don't know how to worship. Let me tell you something. These people are like, they're just doing this thing. They're dancing. They're raising their hands like this. They're kicking like this. I mean, they're just, they just worship with all of their strength. It's unbelievable when you see the old ladies are the best. The old ladies, they will stand up and go, and they'll just start screaming. You're like, what is going on with you, woman? And then she'll just get all the other ladies, and they'll start chanting an incredible song as they begin to worship. Well, we're sitting in this pastor's conference, and I'm sitting up front. The worship leader is right here, and she begins to lead us in worship. All of a sudden, about as far as the back door is to me, rebels invaded and were shooting at a market that was right there. And I'm looking at it. I couldn't believe it was going on. I had brought four missionaries with me. I counted three. I was missing one. I run outside, and he's taking pictures. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? This is not a National Geographic flick. This is real. It's happening. And I brought him inside. 
And as I'm sitting there, our worship leader, she sees what's going on. And they are ripping apart the market. They're throwing tables. They're shooting their guns up in the air. People are running and screaming. People are getting shot. It was just the mo- I'm watching this whole thing, and I've got 200 pastors sitting right in front of me, and we're about to begin worship. So our worship leader, she stood up. I am a soldier in the army. I am a soldier in the army. I am a soldier. No, you don't have to clap. But the point is, she just started singing. She started dancing. And those rebels, they started walking towards the church. One by one, the missionaries that were with me, they turned around and they saw the chaos. They saw people scattering. And now they saw these group of eight kids holding M16s walking right towards the church. And I'm sitting up front. I'm wondering, what in the world are we going to do? And our worship leader, she just continues to stare and to sing. And now, one by one, the church recognizes and they see and they turn around. And all of a sudden, I see heads doing this, looking behind. And our worship leader, She's still up front, and she's still singing as they got closer. You know what she did? She sang louder. And all of a sudden, the quietness of the church began to erupt. And this one started to sing. And this one started to sing. And this one started to sing. And our worship leader, she began to sing louder. And now all of a sudden this whole section was singing and this was singing and they were singing. And then she began to sing even louder. And with every step that those rebels were coming closer and closer to the church. And I'm sitting there like this. And now all of a sudden I'm singing. And out of my mouth is singing and no longer am I looking at the rebels. I'm looking up into heaven. And she starts singing and she starts dancing and the drum starts beating. And now the entire church has erupted in praise. And the rebels walked right to the front door, walked right around the church as if they didn't see us, and kept on walking. Let me tell you something. I believe we had victory because our worship leader led us in praise. You see, the benefit of worship, the thing that we're learning from these wise men, is that victory is found in worship. Jehoshaphat knew it. Jehoshaphat was a king. He was freaking out because there were these five kings that were against him. So they go to the temple, and the sons of Asaph, who wrote the Psalms, they they said, "Why, why are you even worried about this? Why have you gathered all of these people? Let me tell you something, Jehoshaphat. This battle belongs to the Lord. So you know what Jehoshaphat did? He put heart song at the beginning of the army. And as heart song led the army over the hills, they were singing. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He ha- and they just started singing. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And they started singing. And the Bible says as they were going over the hill and as they were singing, the Moabites and all the other armies, they scattered in fear. You see, we can learn something from these wise men. We can learn that the place of worship is the place of victory. And so some of us, we worship like this. And yet we're in bondage. 
Some of us, we worship like this. And yet, we still struggle. And remember what I said, being more than a conqueror is giving everything you've got. Worship is something we can learn from these wise men. But something happened. You see, it's amazing to me. They traveled all this way, and now they come in verse 2 and say, Hey, where is he? Wait a second, did you get lost? Did the star go away? Did you lose your direction? What happened? Did you get distracted? What gets in the way from us worshiping God? Because I'll tell you, it's the enemy. Take a look at verse 3. When Herod, now he's the enemy, the king heard this, he was troubled. And all Jerusalem was troubled with him. And when he gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea. For thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child, and when you found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him. Listen. What distracts us from worship? I'm going to tell you. Herod's the enemy. He's troubled because he doesn't like when you worship because he knows when you worship, you're going to be set free. He knows when you worship, you're going to see that God is bigger than your problem and he wants to hold you in your problem. He wants to trouble you. That's what the Bible says. Herod was troubled and he troubled all of Jerusalem. So the enemy wants to keep you from worshiping and gaining victory. Not only that, religiosity. Religiosity is going to keep you from worship. You see... He goes to the scribes and the Pharisees, the big religious people. And he goes to them and he goes, is the Christ here? And it amazes me that God had to bring three wise men to Jerusalem, which was the place of worship, to remind the people that should be worshiping that they should actually worship. But none of them were worshiping, so God brought three or wise men from Persia to Jerusalem. I've been in church my whole life. I know this song. Forever he is glory. And you know, Christians, this is now the new way to raise your hands. When my generation, it was like this. Now in this generation, it's like this. It looks like you're about to take off. And I've watched so many of these music videos, and, and, and all of them are like, all, all of the people are like this. They're, they're like doing this thing. They're, it's like, this is the new way. And, and, and this is the way. It's like, you know, I'm going to tell you the proper way to worship, okay? You put your hands out like this. You bend your elbows about 45 degrees. Then you put your palms out like this and raise. Then you sway. This is the way to do it, okay? And when you're really into it, tap your heart. Just like this, just tap your heart. And then maybe like when the beat is going, I want you just to raise up a little bit and then I want you to go forward just like this. This is the way to do it. This is how you look so holy. Religiosity. It's just an action if it's not from your heart. It's just another song that you're singing that you've sang your whole life. 
And that's exactly what happened to the Pharisees and scribes. They weren't worshiping. They were just religious. But there's another enemy, hypocrisy. You see, they went to the word of God. They knew the answer, but they did nothing with it. You want to be more than a conqueror. You got to be a worshiper. Learn the lesson from these wise men. Take a look at Matthew chapter 2, verse 6 again. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, you're not the least among the rulers of Judah. This particular verse comes from the Old Testament. Number two, if you're taking note, the wisest thing you can do is get to the word of God. Learn from these wise men. These wise men drive them to the word of God in order to find out where is the Messiah. The wisest thing that you can do is to get to the word of God. And what blows my mind is that the enemy knows that truth is found in the word. Herod goes to the Bible to find out the truth. The enemy knows that the truth is in the word. Now let me explain what the enemy does. When the enemy knows the word, he goes to the war room and he tries to strategize secretly like how Herod called the wise men secretly because he wants to figure out a plan on how he can destroy your life because that's what the enemy does. The word of God says he kills your disadvantage because God is sovereign and God knows the plan. And just like he tried to destroy Joseph's life, Joseph turned it around at the end of his days and he said this to his brothers who enslaved him. What you meant for evil, God meant for good. The enemy is trying to strategize how to destroy you. But we have an opportunity to follow the direction of these wise men and get to the word. You see, the word will give you the direction to worship. Take a look at verse 8. So he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the young child. And when you found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship. You see, for the enemy, he strategizes on how to destroy. But for a wise person, the word will lead us To the place of worship. Turn with me to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Take a look at verse 1. Romans chapter 12 verse 1. I beseech you therefore brethren. By the mercies of God. That you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy. Acceptable to God. Which is your reasonable service. Or which is your acceptable act of worship. The word of God, just like the wise men, leads us to worship. And here's what worship is, you guys. I need to break something to you. Okay. Worship is No. That's not what the Bible says. Worship is when you walk out of this door. Do you apply to your life what you learned from the word? Write that down. Worship is applying to your life what you learned from the word. You see, I wouldn't know to share unless God told me to share. I know a woman. Soldiers went into her town and killed everyone in the town except for her. 
young rebel soldiers, they looked at her and they said, now get all your pots and all your pans, all your clothes, and put them in this bed sheet. And I want you to pick up that bed sheet, tie it together, put it on your head, and you're going to carry it to our base. Now remember, she's looking at her dead husband, her dead children, her dead mother, her dead grandparents, her dead neighbors. And the soldier is forcing her now to carry this load. She picks up the load, she puts it on her head, she starts walking. Halfway down the journey, she trips over a root in the jungle. All of the supplies and the pots and the pans and everything she loaded inside of this that they were stealing and pilfering from her went everywhere quickly, terrified for her life. She started picking up all of these things and putting them back in the bed sheet. She quickly tied them and she was about to put it back on her head. Soldier with some kind of act of mercy looked at her and said, Just leave it. Just go. I'll carry it from here. She stood up and she put that load on her head. She said, This My Jesus has asked me when someone forces me to go one mile that I will go two. I will carry this load for you. Where did she learn that? You see, I've never met that woman, ever. I met the rebel child soldier that that statement changed his life. You see, the world is going to do all kinds of things to us. When we get to the word, we'll know how to respond so that we can be a part of seeing them come to Christ. The wisest thing you can do is follow the example of the wise guys. And get to the word. You want to be more than a conqueror? You want to have a story of faith? You want to be able to make it when you go home? The wisest thing you can do is get to the word and stay in the word. Number three, you take a note. Take a look. Matthew chapter 2 verse 9. Matthew chapter 2 verse 9. When they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which... And I want you to circle that word behold. Okay? When they heard the king, they departed. And behold... The star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. If you're taking note, it's point number three. Write it down. The wisest thing you can do, if you want to be more than a conqueror, the wisest thing you can do is keep looking up. Keep looking up. You see, there's something that happened here. The Bible says that when Herod got troubled, all of Jerusalem was troubled. Even the wise men were troubled because when the king is troubled, it was off with your head. And so everybody was troubled. What happened? Because the Bible says when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. They went from troubled to joy. Well, how did they lose their joy in the journey? What happened? Well, I asked you to circle a word. It was the word in verse 9. Behold. Now, whenever you read the word behold in the Bible, it's kind of like, surprise! Like, ta-da! And that's exactly what Matthew's trying to get across. All of a sudden, they looked back up into the heavens. They looked up, and they saw the star again. 
What happened? How did you lose the star? Did you get distracted when you went to Jerusalem? Were you looking in the wrong place? Were you trying to find an answer from the wrong person? Were you going to the wrong people? Were you caught up in all of the busyness of religiosity in Jerusalem? What happened that you no longer kept your eyes up looking at the star? It's the goal of the enemy. He'll do anything. It's the goal of the enemy. He'll do anything to distract you from what I'm saying. Thank you for the illustration. He'll do anything. Because he doesn't want you to hear the word. He doesn't want you to worship. He doesn't want you to be a part of what God has for you so he sidetracks you with a a girlfriend or a boyfriend. He sidetracks you with video games. He sidetracks you with things and material things and social media and Instagram where you'll spend hours. And what amazes me, I could take all of you to a movie like Zootopia. Stupidest movie I ever saw in my life. Animal hater. Do you hear your response? And some of you can quote lines from that movie, but you can't remember a word I said on Monday. It blows my mind that when it comes to taking my children to a movie, they're like this. But as soon as they sit in church, As soon as I go to pray, Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for this day. And I want to pray, Lord, for my wife. And the enemy lulls us to sleep. Zootopia. Prayer. Church. Zootopia. Good, just making sure you're awake. It blows my mind at the strategy of the enemy to sidetrack us, but those things are temporary. Relationships, social media, all of these things, they're not bad in of themselves, but when we worship them, we're going to get sidetracked. We're going to get distracted. Since this is a Christmas story, listen, I'm going to tell you what happened this past Christmas. My son and I and my family, we went to go get our Christmas tree. And when we went to go get our tree, my children got into an argument about what kind of tree they should have. My son, the minister, he goes, we should get a Charlie Brown Christmas tree. We need to get the tree that nobody would pick. And then we'll make it beautiful and it'll just be like a transformed life in Jesus. That's what we need to buy. We need to buy the ugliest tree and make it beautiful. Don't you think so, Dad? My daughters, that's stupid. We're not going to get an ugly tree. We're going to get this beautiful tree. Then they started arguing. And I looked at them and I said, wait a second, you guys. Christmas is not even about a tree. We're not going to do a tree. You're not getting any gifts this year. What are you talking about, Dad? Do you like if I engage in this argument? 
And I stopped and I grabbed them and we prayed. And I said, God, forgive us that we got sidetracked over a tree. Whether it should be a Charlie Brown tree or it should be a beautiful tree. So easy, isn't it? To get sidetracked. It's what the enemy does. What we need to do when we lose our joy is look up. Finally, number four, if you're taking note, look at verse 12. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Or they departed from their own country a different way. This is the last night. I'm going to leave and go to California. You're going to leave and go back to Virginia or wherever you're from. Point number four is this. The wisest thing you can do is be like these wise men and go home a different way. You see, Pastor Barrett, Pastor Tyler, myself, I don't know if you know. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I'm very nervous up here. Do you know how intimidating it is to be in front of 450 kids that are just waiting for you to screw up so that they can laugh at you? Do you have any idea what it is to not know any of you and to get up here? Do you have any idea the amount of hours it took to prepare what Pastor Tyler prepared this morning or what Pastor Barrett prepared over the course of the morning or my opportunity to be in the Word, to be able to communicate to you? Do you have any idea the heart that we have to be able to come in front of you and yet still be afraid? And communicate to you this truth. And we're communicating to you this truth because we're warning you. It's exactly what God did with the wise men. He warned them. He gave them the word of God and he told them, go home a different way. Don't get distracted by the enemy when you go home. Don't do the camp thing. Don't be on fire for Jesus when you're at camp. And then you go home and all of a sudden you forget the wisdom of these wise men and you don't worship. You forget the wisdom and you you forget the word of God. Circumstance happens and you're looking now at the world instead of looking up at Jesus. No, listen to what we're imploring you and begging you. Listen to what we're asking you to do. Be like the wise men. Go home a different way. You can't go back home the same person. See, the warning is go home a different way. When Paul was talking to young Timothy, he was a a, a young man, just like some of you, 17, 18 years old. And he said, Timothy, I want you to let everyone know how much you've grown since we've been together. And I want to give you the same exhortation that Paul gave Timothy. When you go back home, let everyone see how much you've grown and be like these wise men. And worship and stay in the word. Choose to keep looking up. And let me explain what's going to happen. Go back with me to Romans chapter 12 and this is where we close. Romans chapter 12 verse 2. Don't be conformed to this world. Now let me put it in our context. When you go home to Virginia, summer camp 2016, don't start acting 
like you used to act. But be transformed. Because you were at camp for a week and you had the word of God, be different, be changed by the renewing of your mind. He says that you may prove that is what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. In other words, what Paul is saying, you've had a week of being alone with God, being in the word of God. Something should have happened to you. You should have changed. And now he's telling the Roman church, since you have changed, let everybody see how good God is. How pleasing God is. How acceptable God is. Jesus said that let everyone see the abundant life that you have. Paul says let everyone notice life and peace in you. You want to be a wise person and win this war? You really want to be more than a conqueror? Then maybe we need to follow the advice of these wise men. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and we're asking that you would protect us from camp syndrome. On fire, ready to go with God and to be with God. And then we get home and we forget you. We get distracted. And Lord, we're just asking, would you protect us from being distracted? Would you deliver us from the evil one? Because I know the enemy is troubled and wants to trouble us because you have done something in our heart and in our life. And I'm asking now, Lord, help us make a commitment. walking by a tax collector's table and he looked at Matthew and he said this come and follow me the Bible says immediately he left everything he made a commitment I'm following you Jesus the Bible says he, he went down to the Sea of Galilee and there were four guys Peter and Andrew, James and John they, work, they were working for Zebedee Fishing Company And Jesus looked at him and he goes, come follow me. And the Bible said they left their nets. They made a commitment and they followed Jesus. After Jesus was resurrected, Peter, he makes a decision. I'm going to go back fishing. I don't know where Jesus is. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. So I'm just going to go back to what I was. Jesus, he shows up on the shore. Miraculously, he says, turn your net to the other, the right side, and they catch 153 fish. Jesus, he looks at Peter and he says, do you love me more than these? Peter, are you really going to go back to your old ways? Are you really going to forsake what you're called to do? Well, let me tell you what you're called to do. Mary was 14. Joseph, 16. David, 
15, 16, when he fought Goliath? God uses young people now. You are not the church of tomorrow. You are the church of today. I started my journey when I was 13 years old. I went to Korea and Hong Kong and China. I smuggled Bibles into China when I was 13 years old. And I'll never forget when I dropped my bag of Bibles at the fountain and I went back to the bus at 13 years old and I opened the curtain and I wanted to see who was going to take my Bibles. 15-year-old kid. Couldn't have been older than 15. He was terrified. And I knew in my spirit, that's the kid. He was walking and he saw the bag and he walked around the bag and then he went around like this. And I watched the whole thing. And all of a sudden, with the bag. He got Bibles. We got our Bible. We throw it on the floor. We've got 10 at home. But him, this was his first. That changed my life. And when I was 13 years old, I made a decision. I will follow you and I will not turn back. Follow me as I follow Christ. to follow Jesus. No turning back. The world behind me, the cross before me. If I walk alone, I continue to walk. You might go, wow, this is so heavy. You think the cross was easy. And he did that for you. So I want you to take out your little booklet. And in that little booklet, there's a page in there, my commitment. Take out your booklet. Inside that booklet, there's a little page, my commitment. I don't want you guys to talk to anyone. Don't get distracted. You don't have your booklet? Who doesn't have your booklet? All right, it's a lot of people. Just get a sheet of paper, okay? Find someone who's got a sheet of paper nearby and just get a sheet of paper. Be a Christian, give them a sheet of paper. The Bible says if you have two, give one away. Some of you have 50 extra pages, that means give 25. Christianity is super practical, we're just selfish. Okay, who doesn't have a sheet of paper? Raise your hand. We want to make sure you get one. 
you, you, you can't go home the same way. That's the warning we're giving you. Now, the wise men were smart. They didn't go back to Herod. They didn't go back the same way they came. You've had too much of the word, too much time with God. It's time to make your commitment. And here's what I want you to do. This is just between you and the Lord. I'm not going to say I solemnly swear and you write it all down. This is what you're going to do. Because 13-year-olds change the world. Ask Mary. Look at it like this. If you're 17, you're Jesus' midlife crisis. He died at 33. And tonight, what I want you to do is write down, Jesus, here's my commitment. You write down what's on your heart. You make your commitment with the Lord. Just write it down. Here's my commitment. I'm going to give you just a song. And as they sing this song, you take your time. Be with the Lord. Write down your commitment. Here's what I'm committing to you, Jesus. Talk to him. Ask him. And make your commitment. I'm going to be in prayer for you guys. And I'm going to ask, don't talk to each other. Don't talk to each other. Don't look at each other. Don't cheat. Well, what are you committing to? That it's between them and Jesus.